Let me first begin by saying this channel was created to simply share with you what the Bible teaches on various topics in order for you to grow in your walk with Christ. I am continually growing in mine as well. Now, today's episode, we are going to be examining the teaching of the prosperity gospel. It is not an examination of any one person's ministry, but rather a look into the basis of a teaching that has been damaging to many lives in our nation and around the world. Now, as believers, we have the wonderful ability in our world today to ask ourselves this question. What does the Bible say? Then we have the ability to actually go and read it for ourselves as to grow in our relationship with the Lord. So as we move ahead, I will be quickly explaining one of the foundational ways the prosperity gospel is presented share what text is used, and then go through what the full context of that same passage is to see if what some teach is what the Bible actually says. So grab a Bible, pen and paper for some notes, and sit back as the Great Sift begins right now. Welcome to the Great Sift Podcast. Through weekly installments, we provide content that will engage, encourage, and empower you as a believer in Jesus Christ. We tackle topics of the day, host interviews, and provide a biblical view on what is happening in the church and the world at large. So, grab a Bible, open your heart, and let's begin to sift through all that God has in store. The Prosperity Gospel. For the sake of this channel and episode, we will be looking at the overarching premise of what it is, and then focusing in on a foundational text that gets misused, which leads to major error and ultimately can damage a person's faith in God. Now, if you boil down the overall teachings that are out there, David Jones characterizes them as this. God wants believers to be physically healthy, materially wealthy, and personally happy. Now, on the surface, that sounds amazing, right? I mean, God is love, so why wouldn't he want me to be happy and healthy and and wealthy? I mean, I can be blessed, I can give even more money, and I can live the life that I've always wanted, all to please God. Now, please know, I am not saying the complete opposite is what God says. I am not saying God wants you to be physically sick, materially poor, and personally depressed. By no means does he want those things for you. It is in how we approach God that makes all the difference. God can and does bring healing, as well as gives us the ability to make choices that help keep us healthy. God does provide for our daily, our daily needs, and he also gives us the ability to work and use our talents and apply wisdom to grow financially in our lives. God also provides joy unto us, in the great moments of life, and whenever we feel like our life really is the best it could ever be, as well as the moments of suffering where we don't know exactly why the things that are happening in our life are happening. God can bring joy in those situations too. And it's beautiful how God has designed it. And when we walk in it, we really are truly blessed. Now, as I mentioned last week, I am not saying that if you have or are currently following this teaching that you are not saved or anything like that. I'm not saying that at all. I'm actually wanting to point to an error that people have have believed and that other people have taught. And when you look at the scripture, 
It's not exactly what it says. So my goal is to help us correctly handle the word of God in this particular case. Now, there are plenty of people out there that engage in name calling and quarreling over this very topic. I am not looking to be one of those people. However, I do get concerned at just how much the American church in general, and that's a very broad sweeping statement, has been affected by this teaching. So rather than making any more generalizations, let's just get to the passage of scripture that this teaching in many ways is derived from. So I'm going to be reading the two verses. I'm going to explain how they are most often shared, and then we will look at the full context of the words of Paul the Apostle. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Galatians chapter 3. So in Galatians chapter 3, we find two verses, and then we're going to cross-reference it with Genesis chapter 12. Here are the two verses in Galatians 3. We're going to use um, Galatians 3.14 and verse 29. 14 says this, So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. Okay? So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. Verse 29, and if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Now, some uh, people who have been teaching this a long time would automatically go right there and say, well, Abraham was wealthy. I'm an heir according to Abraham and according to the promise. He was a wealthy man, so I'm supposed to be wealthy. But oftentimes, in order to justify this way of thinking, they say a line or they'll teach a way um, that it, it's, a, it's presented in this, in this fashion. And if you are Christ's, verse 29, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Now, what is that promise? And then they say, well, turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. And they read the first three verses of Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed." And so when you are an heir of the promise, well, he was promised that he was going to be a great nation. He was promised that he would be blessed. I will bless you and I will make your name great. Well, then that means our names are going to be great and we're going to be blessed. And he was wealthy and every time he turned around, I mean, even if he did something bad, I mean, if you look throughout Genesis, every time he turns around, you know, he's telling Sarah to to be his uh, sister, not his wife. Tell people you're my sister, not my wife. And when those two, and it was two individuals, two different times, you know, tried to take her as his wife, not only did he get his wife back and the guys got, you know, rather upset, but then they blessed him with more and more livestock. They, They continually made him a wealthy man. And he lived in Canaan and he had this land and it was given to him. And it's just incredible what happened in Abraham's life. So if that happened to Abraham, well, and we're heirs according to that promise. And the promise is that he's going to be a great nation and all the nations of the world will be blessed through him. Well, then we are to be blessed to be a blessing. Now, 
they go into further detail and, and, you know, they use different scriptures, but the, the basis of what it is, is if we are Abraham's offspring, then we are heirs, verse 29 of Galatians 3, we are heirs to promise. And they automatically go directly back to Genesis chapter 12, a lot of them. This is, again, this is the basis of the overall teaching that you may hear from some people, okay? What I want to do today is I want to help you understand that when you're studying the Bible, okay, maybe some of you have been studying the Bible even a lot longer than me, okay, but, or maybe some of you are just starting or you're interested in doing this. When you're studying the Bible, context means everything. You have to study the Bible when you're looking at scripture, you have to read all of it in order to understand what it says. You have to be able to go, okay, here's Galatians chapter three. I see in verse 14, it says that we, uh, that uh, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentile. So I'm a Gentile, I'm not a Jew. So there's a blessing. So you can read that and then you could go to 29 and go, okay, so if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring according to promise. You read Genesis 12, the beginning of the promise to Abraham and blessings. So then you go back to verse 14 and say, oh, oh, okay, yeah, I see. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing. And so if Abraham was blessed in that way, then I'm going to be blessed in the same way because I'm his heir and I'm his offspring. That makes complete sense. And in one way you can make that connection, right? But when you read Galatians chapter three in full context, you get the answer to what it means. So what we're going to do today is I'm going to read the entire chapter. Now stick with me because it's so good. What, what Paul is writing to the Galatians is so good, but in no way, shape, or form does it teach that we are rich or we are supposed to be or entitled to any type of wealth because we are Abraham's heir, or because we're heirs with Abraham, because we're Abraham's children, okay? It doesn't teach that at all. So let's read it so we can see what it teaches us. Galatians chapter 3, we're going to begin in verse 1. We're going to read all 29 verses, and I promise you at the end of this, you're going to be like, wow, God is so good, but not for the reason that a foundational teaching or foundational passage, I should say, gets misused in order to make us feel or in order to make the hearer believe that because Abraham was wealthy, we are entitled to wealth as well. Okay. So Galatians chapter three, verse one says this, Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit? Okay. Did they receive their salvation? By works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, meaning the Spirit of God, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Meaning that they were suffering for the gospel of Christ. Did they suffer all that for no reason? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and work miracles among you do so by the works of the law? or by hearing with faith. Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, meaning it is by faith 
that Abraham was made righteous. It had nothing to do with his actions, right? So then verse 7, this is beautiful. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. This is important because it's directly talking to the offspring of Abraham. Okay. Know then that it is of those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, meaning the Old Testament, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles, me and you, by faith, preached the gospel before I'm sorry, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, now here comes Genesis 12, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. The blessing has nothing to do with material wealth. The blessing has everything to do about our faith in Christ. Let's keep reading. Our faith is what the blessing directly is related to. Verse 10, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith, not by the works of the law. But the law is not of faith. Rather, for the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Did you catch it? What happens is, is oftentimes the foundational portion of the prosperity gospel will use the first half of the verse of 14 so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, might come to you and me, but they don't finish the sentence. So that we might receive what? The promised Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. And we receive the Spirit of God when we receive our salvation by placing our faith in Christ. That's why it says, so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. Now, Paul continues to go to help explain this further. Verse 15, to give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. Now, the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say and to offsprings. Paul is very specific with his words here. It does not say and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one and to your offspring, who is Christ this is what I mean. The law, which came 430 years afterwards, meaning after the, the promise made to Abraham, does not annul the covenant previously ratified by God, okay? So as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise, but God gave it to Abraham by a promise. So why then the law? It was added because of transgressions 
until the offspring from Abraham, meaning Jesus, should come, okay, until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made, and it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Now, an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. Is the law then contrary to the promise of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But scripture, sorry, but the scripture imprisoned everything under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed, meaning Jesus Christ. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, meaning we are no longer under the law. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through, I'm going to say it again, faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. So, encapsulation of this passage of scripture, understand this, especially 23 through 29, that Paul is explaining that because Abraham was made a promise and it was counted to him as righteousness, right standing before God, through his faith, his offspring, which all led to Jesus Christ, who fulfilled the righteousness of God by fulfilling the law, is now that promise has come to pass. And you and I have the ability to be within that promise. How? By faith. Just like Abraham he had faith. We now have the ability to have faith in God through Christ Jesus. And that promise that was made to him, that blessing that he is afforded, the blessing that was given to Abraham that came through the manifestation, the realization, God, the God man, Christ Jesus, the, the, the 100% God, 100% man, who came, lived sinlessly, was a, a sacrifice, took the full wrath of our sinfulness upon himself on the cross, died, buried, rose again bodily, and is in heaven. He ascended to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit to us. That promise of Christ Jesus is the blessing of Abraham. Do you see it? It has nothing to do, nothing to do with being entitled to being wealthy because Abraham was wealthy. How limited of an idea. I'm just going to be point blank. How limited of an idea that Paul would write about something as so earthly as being 
quote-unquote financially blessed because Abraham was financially blessed. Like how, how that, that limits the fascination and the the utter mysterious what heaven is going to be. Our minds cannot fathom what we can dream of pales in comparison to what awaits us. Colossians chapter three tells us to continuously look. I'm sorry, let me even just flip there just so I, I want to get that right. Colossians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians chapter three. I wasn't even planning on doing this. Obviously, as I'm, you can hear me flipping through the pages, but it says this. Verse one, Colossians three. If then you have been raised with Christ, Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Verse 2, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For if you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God, when Christ is in your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. We're supposed to focus on the things that are above, set our minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. And so how limited of a teaching would it be if Paul had said all of that in Galatians 3 to point us back to Genesis chapter 12, which says that we can be entitled to wealth because Abraham was wealthy. It actually speaks to the sinful nature of us that can become greedy I can become greedy in, in my life. You can become greedy in your life. We might have great intentions, but our sinfulness of our flesh can sometimes overtake us. And that is why we are to look beyond what this world has to offer and focus our heart and mind on heaven. So as we finish this episode today, I want to challenge you with this thought that when you are listening to teaching Look at the full context of the scripture that's being taught. Look, look at all of it just to, in your heart and in your mind, even right now, go back and reread Galatians chapter three for yourself. See if I'm wrong. And if I'm wrong, shoot me a DM. Get, <laughs> let me know. Email me. I don't want to stand before God someday and say unintentionally I was wrong. I didn't mean to. And and because and, I know that before Christ, he is the reason that I'm going to heaven. And he's the reason that you'll be going to heaven as well. And when we're in Christ, it's because we have faith in him and his word and what he's given us. And so I want to challenge you to keep looking at the context of scripture and really engage in it. You can learn a lot about the Lord and what he wants for your life as you continue to read the word. I love you guys. And I'm so praying for you every day. I pray for anyone who listens to this podcast every single day, and I ask that you would be blessed in your life, not necessarily financially, <laughs> but that you would be blessed to be able to just know the depths of how good God is and the depths of how much he loves you and what awaits us on the other side of this earthly life. May you have a wonderful day. God bless you, and we'll talk to you soon.